0: Hi friends, Logan Clements here, one of your co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, Mary is going to dive deep into her top tips of how to select a venue. She's going to walk you through a checklist of things that you need to look for when you're picking your venue for your event, and you're going to walk away feeling more informed and maybe having a few new ideas about what you're supposed to look for in event, in your events in the rest of this year and 2024 and beyond. And before we jump into it, we do want to remind you, if you are liking what you're hearing, consider sharing this episode with a friend, a fellow event pro. It's a great excuse to get a conversation started. And that just helps us grow this podcast along with everyone else. And as always, we appreciate when you can leave us a review. Five stars is amazing. If you think it's zero stars, well, uh, you know, go listen to another podcast. (laughs) But we hope you enjoyed this episode all about Mary and her tips for choosing a venue.
1: Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people Who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way? Now, let's get started. And thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co hosts, and I am doing a solo episode today. So you're going to hear all from me. So get ready. And today we are going to talk about venue selection, specifically how to select a venue and what to look for when you're doing venue selection. One tool that I love to utilize when doing venue selection is this checklist that I've created. And at the beginning of my business three years ago, I made this checklist and I, because I was doing a bunch of site visits, I was trying to make relationships with local venues and I just had a lot of questions about what their venue included and all that good stuff. So I'm going to go down that checklist today. I will say if you enjoyed this checklist after you hear it, you're welcome to send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com and we can send you a copy of this checklist for you to use at your next site visit. But before we get into the episode, I do want to plug the Better Events Conference, which is coming up on Wednesday, December 20th. And we would love to see you there virtually. This is going to be a virtual content and a day full of just wonderful content like there's going to be brain bites. Um, networking opportunities, collaboration. We're going to try to shake it up and practice what we preach. So if you've enjoyed the com- uh, this podcast at all, we hope that you come enjoy the conference with us as well on Wednesday, December 20th. Check out our website and you can see tickets that are on sale. And early bird tickets go until the end of October. And so get your early bird tickets all you can. Those are truly the only discounts that we will be giving out is this early bird pricing. And so get them all you can. And we hope to see you there. All right. So we're going to get into our topic about venue selection. So we're just going to start from the top and work our way down with this checklist. And as many of you know, venue selection is a really important part of the process. Sometimes this is something that planners or producers are brought on just to do is just to select a venue. Um, And then sometimes you're brought onto an event and the venue has already been selected and you kind of add a back step sometimes. And realize the the terms and what you're working under. And so in an ideal world, I would say you get to kind of have some say in that venue selection, especially if you're going to be the one on site implementing things. It's nice to have a say there, but that's not always the case. So for example, many times when I do an event, the venue has already been selected. I would say only like 30% of the time are we helping with venue selection. That can be challenging. I've learned you know lots of times that clients will get into a contract and there are terms that they did not understand or realize or just the fact that they need to use preferred vendors a lot of the time when they when they book with a venue and so anyway there has been lots of lessons learned and maybe you can resonate with some of this. Now the last thing I want to say is that if you are familiar with like those who source events and source sites and venues and things like that, then this is something that they are amazingly skilled at. I am not a venue site selection person. I just sometimes will select venues for my clients, but that is different than sourcing. And so um, keep that in mind as we're going through this checklist. So this is based on my experience. And so the first thing that I do is, you know, I try to set up a walkthrough with a handful of venues that seem based on their um, information on their website that they can accommodate our event needs. So that's kind of the first place I go is just the internet. (laughs) I look and see what they have. Something that I have realized is that many venues don't really have all that much information on their websites. Some do. And when they do, it's incredibly helpful. Like there was one venue I worked with earlier this year and I told them, I was like, your website has so much. Like I literally Googled the name of your venue and then I searched fundraising gala after that. And there was an example floor plan that you had uploaded to your website and that was amazing. And they were like, wow, thanks. No one really ever looks at that, Um, but we're glad that you found use out of it. So in most cases, venues don't really have like that vast amount of information there, at least from my experience. And so in that case, um, or even if you're just like showing up to a venue and you want to see what it's like, these are some things that you can ask. So the first question is like the availability, is the venue even an option based on the dates that you're looking for? And then on top of that, are there some days of the week that are better than others or more available than others or cheaper than others? The next thing is just curious about like their rating, like talk to some of your industry peers, see if they recommend it, look online, um, look at reviews, and they may not have a lot of reviews and that's okay, but sometimes they do. And that's important, I think, to note. Another question is if there's any upcoming construction planned. This is so important. There have been lots of times when this has been kind of overlooked. Um, This has been most relevant for me when I have worked with government entities like parks and things like that for like 5Ks or other community events outdoors that's when I've kind of gotten burned with construction. And so this is an important question. Another thing is just to ensure, I believe most venues are required to be ADA compliant for accessibility, but it's good to just look at the overall accessibility features. And of course, this is based on where you're located, I should say. So that's not always the case, but um, definitely look at what those needs are for your audience and if the venue can accommodate. This is also true for like convention centers and things like that sometimes some like wheelchairs for example are larger than you may think and it's hard to get them through the doors and so this is just an important thing to consider another thing is parking how many parking spaces are available how many do you need for your event can it accommodate all of them are most of them is it free or do you get like a handful of free parking vouchers are there parking attendants that you need to be aware of do they do valet? All of those parking questions. Another one is, is key, and I hinted at this before. So if you remember nothing else, remember this. When looking at a venue, do they use a preferred vendor list? Many do. Now the question is, is that like your preferred vendor list? Like you're giving us some examples of people we can use, or is this a requirement? I have to use one of your vendors. That's challenging sometimes to be required to use a certain vendor. And I get why they do that, by the way. If you're a venue person listening to this, I understand why you do that. In fact, if I owned a venue, I would maybe do the same thing. But it is challenging when you are booking an event. And if freedom is what you need, then you need to consider that when selecting your venue. So my top question is like, well, then who are the caterers on that list? And how much do they cost? Because sometimes. It's a more expensive caterer and that can really be challenging for you and your budget. So definitely keep that in mind. And is there like a minimum spend with that caterer? That's kind of part of the conversation. Um, Also asking about corkage fees and things like that, which are pretty standard, but it's helpful to understand, you know, if you're bringing your own beverages in, your alcoholic beverages, then how much are they going to charge you for corkage? Another thing is just the venue ask how they function, like who their staff is there's typically going to be a venue host day of. And so that's always important, right? And helpful. And they're really good about um, supporting that day from the venue perspective. And also just about capacity of the space, of course, right? You're looking at how many rooms and how much they can um, hold. And then also like fire limits is important. Sometimes we don't think about that, I don't think. But there was like a, a venue that we were recently at that had a fire limit of 200 in this ballroom space and it looked visibly like we could accommodate more but then we wanted to make sure we're like is 200 like the fire limit and it was and so that was like an important um distinction even though it looked like we could squeeze more in so look at the, that capacity look at like the ceiling height if that's something that you need to know and then like kind of how i think it's helpful to know how they would recommend setting up the room is it like classroom style is it a ceremony is it a reception like what does that look like and can it accommodate all those different like tables and things that you're trying to use for your space and then of course like the event hours when can you get access to the building and then can you do this is probably the one of the number one questions that my clients ask that i have to ask do they allow like day before deliveries So we don't need to be in the venue. We don't need to like do anything. We just want to drop some stuff off and put it somewhere. Is that allowed? It's probably the number one question. And then are any other events going on at the same time? If it's a larger space, there very well might be. And that can sometimes cause confusion when it's parking or just signage, making sure the right guests go to the right place. This is important. Power accessibility, like what are their power rules? Do you need to go through a vendor for... Power access, how much does that cost, et cetera, et cetera? Same with the lighting and like the A V and the sound, all of that. But that kind of sometimes falls under that preferred vendor question. And then internet access and Wi-Fi guest access. I would say it seems like half of the time then use just provide internet for anyone in the space. And they're like, yep, it's free. You can use it. It's for everyone. Or they um, will charge for usage. So it seems pretty different there. So just confirm what their venue policy or their Wi-Fi policies are at that venue. And then it's also helpful to note the restroom proximity and the amount of restrooms from where your event space is. And then their waste or recycling policies. So are they going to do trash removal? Do you have to remove the trash? Is the caterer responsible for removing the trash? Who's getting rid of the trash? (laughs) And this is Really an important question to ask because more times than not, it ends up being um, someone other than the venue that is responsible for removing the trash. Are there designated areas for load in? Is there a loading dock or where does that happen? This is especially helpful in like city areas uh, just to figure out exactly what that process looks like for um, drop off and pickup. It's helpful to know if there's a coat check that's sometimes not always as needed, but it's good to know. And then temperature control. Can they control the temperature? Typically, in spaces, you know, it's like one temperature for all. And so you're either going to be freezing, you're going to be super hot but it's helpful to know temperature control because guests will usually complain about something like this.
0: Hey there, friend. Are you wondering how you can get more awesome content from Mary and I and the Better Events Podcast community? Or maybe you've been loving what we talk about with community over competition and you really want to figure out how you can connect with other event pros. Well, Mary and I are going to be hosting the Better Events Conference in December this year, December 20th. And we're so excited because we've launched our early bird ticket sales and you can take advantage of this special pricing all the way up through the end of this month in October. Hurry, run, don't walk. We've got a really cool general admission offer, but we also then have a fun friend of the pod VIP offer that just involves a little more higher touch experience with Mary and I, but we've got something for you. We even have student tickets. If you are someone who is currently studying and looking to maybe invest a little less but still want to join us, we've got a ticket for you. Again, we're just so excited. If you can't hear it in my voice or see it on my video on our YouTube, I, I this has been so exciting to put this together and start to see people already purchasing tickets, investing in themselves because we are going to have a magical day on Wednesday, December 20th, where we all are going to get to meet each other, connect with each other, and all learn about how we can create and host better events in 2024 so that you can make next year the best year ever. So click the link in our show notes, go over to our social media. Our Instagram is probably our most active get your tickets. We cannot wait to meet you.
1: And then just asking like due diligence type of questions. Like, is the space going to be cleaned before the event? How soon is the event like the previous event in the space over? Do you have time to turn the space around? Things like that, because I have gotten to spaces. And when you go in the restroom, you can tell it hasn't been cleaned yet. And so sometimes I've had to follow up and just make sure that their cleaning crew gets on that how accessible is the venue to public transportation? This can be important for certain companies. So keep that in mind. Um, And then what decorations do they have available? A lot of venues have like votives and tea lights or just like some small things. Um, But surprisingly, some have like quite a bit of things you can choose from. And so it's just helpful to know what decorations they have available. And then what items, of course, do they have like tables and chairs and how many, and do you need to bring any others in? And this sometimes can be complicated because if a venue can accommodate, you know, 200 people, but they have a hundred chairs, sometimes that means you have to rent 100 more chairs and you want the chairs to match. So you'll rent a chair that looks the same. And then during cleanup, you have to remember which chair is which. (laughs) And if you've dealt with this, you know what I mean? Because it can be very annoying. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. Um, Sometimes you can save yourself some stress if you're selecting a venue and they just have what you need or nothing at all, (laughs) one or the other. Directional signage. So what signage placement options do they have? Maybe you have to bring stuff in, but sometimes they'll have like designated spots or they'll have even like electric signage areas and things like that. And so just figure out what those are. Even sometimes they have a preferred signage vendor who can like wrap columns or put something on windows and stuff like that. And then item restrictions, what can we not bring into your space? And one of those things will always be glitter and confetti. <laughs> so keep that in mind for sure. I know if you've worked in venues at all, you you know glitter is just the worst. So <laughs> probably not that. And then are there noise policies locally? Um, there's one venue that I'm working with later this year and they have a noise policy because half of the space is outdoors and that um, noise ordin- ordinance goes into effect at 9.30 p.m. And so we had to cut our event a little bit shorter because of that. And that's helpful to know from the beginning. Any inclement weather plans, especially if it is an outdoor space, are good to be aware of. Their evacuation and safety plans. Now, when you talk to a venue, sometimes they'll send you over like a handbook and it has all these questions kind of answered for you already. I would say that's the ideal scenario. So, you know, when you're doing this walkthrough, these are all questions you can ask as you're walking through the space. You can also be like, but also do you have like an event handbook I can just refer to later? And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. It's really in the circumstances where they don't that these questions are going to be very helpful for you. So then I would also ask kind of what permitting and licensing is required or provided. Most times stuff is going to be like set and ready to go. If you're doing a fundraising event, as you know, there are different permits usually needed for that. that The venue will need to see. Uh, but just it's helpful to have that conversation so everybody is clear and on the same page. You also have the money question, right? How much is this going to cost? And so when appropriate, of course, you can have that conversation. But as part of that understanding, the terms like the cancellation policies, this was particularly um, present and relevant and kind of a hot issue during the pandemic, of course. Um, And we've seen since then that cancellation policies have gotten a little stricter. And so just be aware of that cancellation policy. And then um, this goes kind of earlier, but any like late in and out charges or like setup up and tear down charges, like any extras like that, like anyone who's not going to be like helping set up or tear down, like, or if you need help from the venue staff or something, if that's possible, what would that cost? Just those like a little additional add ons that you might need to be aware of. And so those are kind of, that's the checklist. Honestly, that is the whole thing. It's like one and a half pages worth. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'll show you as I have it printed out. It's like, these two lovely pages. And so email us at better at gmail.com. And I can definitely send you a copy of that if you're interested, but I hope this is helpful for you as you are selecting your next venue for your event. And I will say shout out to all the venue hosts or owners out there. If you're listening to this podcast, because venue work is no joke. We couldn't do events without you, right? We need places to host them. So thank you for what you're doing please chime in, let us know what else we should tell listeners about venues. We'd love to share and pass that knowledge along as well. And before we get to the end of our episode, this is a short and sweet episode today. We have our bonus tip, which since I'm here, the bonus tip is from me. Hopefully you're not too tired of me yet. Um, And this bonus tip is, it's random, but it's fresh in my mind. So here you go. If you are doing an outdoor event, and it's dark outside when you're trying to do setup. Some people will use their car lights if you're driving your car to kind of like light up the area. Those are some powerful lights to help see what you're doing. I did this recently at an event, but little did I know that that would drain my battery. And it did. And so my my car was dead after setup and I had to go through with the event. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. And I can't deal with this right now because I'm running the event. (laughs) Luckily, there was a very kind police officer there. He was like attending doing something off duty and um, he heard about it and he waited for me until the event was over and he jumped my car and it was fine. It was all fine. But apparently you're supposed to like leave your engine running when that's happening. I'm not a car person. I didn't know that. So I drained my battery. But just in case you ever have to go through this, let me just save you a little bit of stress and be aware of draining your battery in this circumstance. All right, everybody. So that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at better events pod. You can email us at better events pod at gmail.com. You can visit our website at better events pod.com. and remember, check out the conference, which is also on our website. It's better events slash conference. And then you can connect with Logan and I directly on LinkedIn. We love to hear from you and thank you so much for listening. We will be back with you again next Wednesday.